years since I've been on this platform. Uh, I used to sit way in the back. Amen. Uh, if, you know, it, it, it's such an honor. This is where I get to tell everybody I went to school. Praise the Lord. Purpose Institute. Graduated from Purpose Institute. Hallelujah. Um, you will never know how much of a blessing that was to my life personally. Uh, when we finished that, we went down to Clarksville. Um, those credits from Purpose Institute, for me, transferred to a secular college and almost completed an associate's degree for me. Uh, so that took me way beyond the where I ever thought it would be. So I thank the Lord for that. Amen. But it's been 11 years. Uh, I was much skinnier. I was unmarried. I was childless. And I thought I knew everything. Amen. And I quickly found out that was not the case. Amen. And uh, gained a little more, little more weight. I married my beautiful wife. Amen. We have two wonderful children that have followed us on this journey. Um, I'm so thankful for uh, the Gillen, really the the dynasty of the Gillens. Uh, many of you don't know, uh, Sister Michelle Gillen was my Sunday school teacher at one time, and a memory actually just popped in my head as a little boy asking her um, and saying, "Do you really need the Holy Ghost to be saved?" I don't know, you probably don't even remember this, but she actually came to me with several scriptures about the Holy Ghost, and I'll never forget that. That uh, I, I give credit to that. That started a love for me of studying the scriptures for myself. Amen. Uh, and her husband, of course, has been a great influence in my wife. Their parents were a great influence in my life. Amen. And uh, brother Austin Gillen. I'm so sorry if I call you Austin. Amen. I, I love this man dearly, him and his wife. I love them dearly. Um, I tell everybody Austin is everything that I've ever wanted to be. From uh, from a teenager, so no pressure, amen. Uh, but as a, as a as a teenager growing up and younger than that, I just thought Austin was the coolest brother. Gillen, excuse me, was just the coolest guy ever. I mean, just everything I wanted to be. And he was preaching today, and I was listening to him. And uh, the scriptures, so did he. Uh, that's really a testament to your pastor. Um, I, I tell everybody, and I, I'm dead serious. Anytime he comes up in conversation. I said, if there ever was a book besides the Bible, if there ever was a book that told you exactly how to do everything in life the way that you should, Brother and Sister Gillen have followed that book to the T. And uh, I told my wife and I, if we could just be a little bit like them, amen, I would just honored to be here today, amen. I am forever indebted to the Pakangi family. Uh, he was uh, not kidding. When we left, or I left this church, we I went down to Southern Indiana, and we started to work there. Uh, started in our living room. We went through the whole um, in a school. We went into uh, renting a building. We went to my basement uh, where all that happened. We we had revival. As it, it almost killed us, but we had revival in every step of the way and every hardship that we went through. And a lot of times we were on our own and. Uh, Felt very alone and had to fight for every victory that we had. And then the Pakangis would show up. And we were just overwhelmingly grateful for that experience. It was such a blessing to us just to be able to sit and breathe and have revival. And every time they would come, the, the youth group that we had was very excited. And we had some great services and ever indebted in them for coming and seeing us down there. Amen. <laughs> Praise the Lord. It's also good to see my friend, Brother Stokely, and Sister Stokely, man, good to see you, good to see Hector, and I'm going to start, I'm going to stop saying names, because I know I'm going to forget people, amen, 
Uh, but it's such a great time. And the, the Harker family, they came down to see us down when we were in Clarksville. And I'll never forget that time. I, I honor you guys as well. Um, I said, just, just a great time. And thank you, everyone. And we're going to get into my slideshow here in a moment. Thank you, everyone who gives uh, to home missions, to Christmas for Christ. It makes a difference. And I am a testament to that. Uh, come October, we will be applying for Christmas for Christ. And for us as a home missions church, if we are approved, Amen. There is a monthly uh, check of support that comes our way, and that is huge. We are in an area, um, yeah, I know the market in Indiana is booming right now. Um, it is astronomical in Idaho. We, The way I put it, a lot of people, if you look at it, Idaho is the number one state for people to move to right now, believe it or not. We are get confused with Iowa a lot. We are more west than that, if you look at the map, you pass through Iowa and several other states to get to us, amen, but we have a issue, there's a great uh, disdain in Idaho for Californians, and we explain that, <laughs> it, it's really true though, uh, so you have these uh, people from California, they're selling multi-million dollar homes, and they're coming into Idaho and buying up land that is very cheap to them, and homes that are very cheap to them. So if you were born and raised in Idaho, you are being pushed out of the market because the prices have gone up. Um, they can't build houses fast enough. They cannot build apartments fast enough. We were lucky when we arrived there to get a, an apartment. Uh, we looked at the market, and I told my wife, I said, I'm sorry, we will never own a home in Idaho. Just not, it's not going to happen. And I know that's not speaking faith, but it was, uh, and we prayed and prayed, and God did open a door. We purchased a home that was astronomical, and we waited a year, and that price went up drastically, the value of our home, so we sold it. We actually are debt-free besides our home and a trailer we're trying to sell um, and moved into a new home in the same city, so God has provided for us. But if you can put up that, uh, that first slide for me, and then welcome to Idaho. So when you think of Idaho, someone said it. Potatoes. Okay, so how many people have eaten at McDonald's before? All right, there's a few of you. I would not recommend that. I mean, read up on it. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but if you have ever had uh, French fries uh, from McDonald's, they came from a facility 15 minutes from my house. It doesn't matter what McDonald's you went to, the potatoes uh, those fries are made of came and were processed at the factory that are 15 minutes up the road from us called a Simplot. Mr. Simplot, I, I don't believe, he might still be alive, I don't know the whole story, but he uh, developed a potato. I know a lot of you are in agriculture, but he developed the potato that McDonald's uses. They also uh, service many other industries, Wendy's I think as well, but they put it in a um, uh, kind of like a block and it shoots them through there and it cuts them the way that McDonald's wants and then they change the disc and put it in and it shoots them through and cuts them the way that Wendy's wants them. It's all very fascinating, I know. Amen. But we actually went a year, almost a year, without seeing a single potato. I was kind of disappointed, actually. Amen. But we, we grow everything. We live um, in Idaho. The area that we live is in the Treasure Valley. Idaho is almost 2 million people which in retrospect, I can't remember what Indiana is, but is minute. Uh, Idaho is about two of Indiana's put together, but our population is very small. We live in the Treasure Valley, which is completely flat and surrounded by mountains. Um, and we grow everything you could think of there. A uh, big one is sugar beets. 
I had never seen a sugar beet in my life. I thought it was a potato. I thought, oh, my goodness, that is the biggest potato I've ever seen. But it comes out. I mean, these big boulders come out. And uh, something else I've never seen, they drop it off in, like, a depot in the middle of town. I mean, you just go, you know, hey, there's, there's the, um, the city office, there's the post office, and depot full of sugar beets. And it's as uh, tall as this building, probably as wide as this building. They dump them there, and then trunks come in periodically. Uh, onion trucks, uh, we have lots of onions, lots of onions everywhere. Uh, we will, actually, our first house, I got to sit on, um, I walk out to get the mail. We were on a kind of a main road that the onion trucks would pass through. And they pack them so high on the trucks, they fall off all the time. So if you're on the highway, you make sure you don't get behind an onion truck. Well, we came down, and we found they fell off the truck, and then they're in our driveway. So we got free onions. It's pretty cool. Amen. And if you know the, the biblical principle in the Old Testament, when they were told to leave out the corners of the fields for the poor, the stranger, and the, the, you know, those passing through, um, they do something similar to that in Idaho. Um, Idaho is, has a lot of money. A lot of money uh, in Idaho, but there's a lot of poverty as well. Um, so there are a lot of people. You can come, pay twenty dollars, and you can glean the fields. So you, after harvest, you see several people come out and they glean the fields. Uh, we a lot of alpha, alpha, a lot of other uh, mint is a big thing up there. Um, our town of Wilder is hops. You know what you make from hops? You make beer, okay? You drive into our town, our little town of 2,000 people, and there's a big billboard uh, across it that says, Great Beer Starts Here. It's our claim to fame. Amen. You come in, and there are hops fields for miles. If you've never seen a hops field, it looks like um, telephone poles for miles. And then in the summer, you just see a little green start going up. Um, we have a lot of migrant workers. They are out there day and night working on these fields. There's about two families that own all the hops in the whole Treasure Valley. It is big business. Um, they are out there for hours. I can leave in the morning at 6 o'clock for work. They are out there. They have beaten me out there. And on my way home about 4.30, they are still out there working. Amen. Um, so we have, uh, God spoke to me that I am going to teach a Bible study in a hops field. Uh, so I'm waiting for that to take place. But there are several people out there, and they are hungry and they don't understand what for yet. Amen. If you go to the next slide. Amen. This is what actually Idaho looks like. This is actually just across the border in Oregon. This is about uh, a little less than an hour from my house. Uh, there are rocks and uh, beautiful formations. There's rivers. There's lakes. Uh, next slide. Just absolutely gorgeous. This is uh, Shushan Falls. Uh, this is also about an hour, uh, two hours from our house. Absolutely gorgeous. Um, when you, when I go to work, excuse me, uh, if it's a Friday, I work at the hospital, and if it's a Friday, you pull in, and everybody has their boat they're towing behind, their camper, their kayaks on top, their tents on top. They are waiting to get off work early so they can beat everybody else out to the mountains. Um, so when you have a revival, a summer is not a good time. Um, because Friday, come Friday afternoon, everybody's gone. You don't see them again until Sunday night, and they're getting ready for work the next day. It is serious busy business. If it is bear season or elk season, you will find the pews are empty because they paid money for that tag. They've got trail cams, and if that cam went off and they saw a bear, they are gone and gone for weeks. So it is a very uh, interesting culture. Next slide. 
this is also uh, probably about 45 minutes. Uh, this, there's several pictures I have of this. This is probably one of my favorite places. This is a reservoir that goes on for miles. You can go out there, and there could be, you know, 200 people out there, and you'd only see two every so often. Um, we went out there and almost had the entire, that portion of the reservoir to ourself. Uh, it goes on for miles. Next picture. Amen. If you look way back there, there's a little kayak in the back there, and that's where I'm on the boat with my daughter. Amen. It is just breathtaking. Um, it goes on. We have so many different climates. We have a desert where I am. You go an hour north, you get trees that are very large. You go a little further, the trees are 150 feet tall. And then you get into the Sawtooth Mountains that are just absolutely breathtaking. Um, my wife, when we started talking about Idaho, she said, I do not want to go anywhere where there's more snow than Indiana. I said, okay, fair enough. And I looked it up, and sure enough, uh, in the Treasure, Vera, Treasure Valley, excuse me, there's this weird thing with how the mountains work with the valley. I don't understand it, but I'm sure someone smarter than I is gets it. We rarely ever get snow. Maybe an inch of snow. An hour north of us, blizzard conditions, you know, crazy amount. But in our valley, we rarely get snow. I think we got less than an inch last year, if I remember right. Um, it rarely rains. We are in a 10-year drought right now. Of course, the last seven weeks, it has not stopped raining, which is causing other problems. If you've seen what's going on with Yellowstone? Um, but it's just a, a very unique area. Um, we are close. We touched the base of Utah. Oregon, Washington, Wyoming, and Montana. Uh, it is a Mormon country. Uh, lots, lots of Mormons. Everybody knows is connected and married to, somehow connected to the Mormon church or once was part of the Mormon church. Um, so that's an interesting thing. Uh, it is called the Gem State, if you didn't know that. Uh, there's lots of really cool crystals and uh, gems and geological things that are there. Um, so crystals is something that people are really into. They don't realize exactly what they're dabbing into. Um, so it's not uncommon to see people have crystals around their neck, crystals on their fingers, crystals in their clothes. And if you ask them about them, they say, well, this crystal's for healing. This crystal's for depression. This crystal's for anxiety. Um, and as along with that comes witchcraft. Uh, there is a very strong presence of witchcraft there. Uh, it is not... Uh, it's very opened. Uh, they don't hide it from you. This, you know, I'm a witch or I'm in Wicca. Um, it's very open. They're very in tune with uh, nature and with what's going on. We have Sun Valley, the city of Sun Valley, which is a great ski resort. A lot of people come in from all around the country and go skiing there. Uh, it is also uh, a place for sun worshipers, S-U-N worshipers. Uh, and I thought, okay, that's kind of a joke. What do they actually worship? They worship the sun. And if you dabble into exactly what they believe, it goes all the way back to the Old Testament, um, Istar and the religion there, and uh, I'm sorry, the Pharaoh, help me out, Shara, uh, Jezebel, and I, uh, all of it's connected. Uh, and it is still, still prevalent to this day, so you have a lot of different things Everyone in our town is, uh, is Christian. We really don't. The next town over from us, which is kind of the greater Wilder and De Parma, uh, is very Mormon. Our town is not. It's very Christian. Um, no one goes to church, but they're all saved. Amen. So that's kind of what the, 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 the thought and the spirit that we're fighting. I told my wife, I don't know why, I just keep having a dream that we're, we're digging trenches. 
And I just keep having this thing. I said, the ground's really hard. We just got to dig trenches. We're living in a valley. Um, they grow everything. Everything is grown there. But the ground is very hard. It's full of rocks, and it's very dry. It is not something that would sustain growing something unless you work the ground. And uh, I had a preacher come and talk to us and say, you're just working the ground right now. And it, it is. We don't see a lot of results of um, souls, but, man, we have been in people's houses teaching Bible says We've been all around, and I'm getting ahead of myself, but we're breaking up the ground, and it is a great test. But if you work the ground, there is a great harvest there. We can go to the next slide. Amen. Another just really cool place. Lots of really cool rock formations. Next slide. It's absolutely beautiful. There's so many. We've only touched uh, just a little a little portion of, of Idaho. Um, the churches are very spread out, and we'll, we'll get to that soon, but they're very, very spread out. So traveling to any church, you go through just amazing country. Uh, if you love kayaking, there are so many neat places you can only get to by boat. Uh, absolutely beautiful. There's hiking places if you're an extreme hiker. There's a, a eight-mile one-way through the mountains hike that I'm trying to go on, but I, am, uh, I need to take off some of my office weight. Uh, before I do that and then come back, uh, but they, they live to be outside, so it's not uncommon to have a four-wheelers and uh, every outdoor vehicle, side-by-sides, uh, some of you are probably more familiar with that than I am, it was all new to me, uh, they live to be outside, Idaho is, uh, with the town next to us, they have a sign when you drive into town that says, uh, this is not a gun-free zone, um, it is 30 guns to one person, if you do the math of how many guns in there. We have uh, ammunition is made in northern Idaho. Um, so the thought that is in every minds, if the country goes crazy, that Idaho can hold its own. And they probably could. Amen. But it's absolutely beautiful. You can go to the next slide. So this is, uh, I mean, this is really, if there was a picture that described the city that we are in, this is it. This is at the uh, Parma, which is 10 minutes from my house. So it's really, like I said, it's part of our area that we're trying to reach. Um, this is a rodeo they have every year. It is big money. It is the whole town is involved. Uh, by the grace of God, my wife got involved in taking pictures for the city. So she actually took this picture, and it hit everybody now in that city knows who my wife is. It's absolutely amazing. We, we know police officers. Uh, in that town, I got to meet Wilder, um, the mayor, because of different things of this nature. Uh, but it's kind of interesting. That person that's actually riding that horse right now is the rodeo queen. She had to try out for it, and she so happens to be my coworker's daughter. Um, and so it's just really neat how God has kind of really put us in there. Uh, if you go to the next slide. So this is something that is... Uh, super common to them, but to us, this is this changed us. <laughs> that is on, on uh, my left side, okay, over here. Uh, the boy on there, that is my son uh, riding in on a, an, a real bull um, against my good will and nature. Amen. My wife <laughs> signed them up for it uh, the day before we were leaving for here, and I said, you did what? <laughs> And they came, I'm riding the bull, I'm riding the bull. I said, okay, like they got an electric one or something going on. No, it's a real bull. And I said, it's a what? <laughs> and so we went over there, and um, they kept waiting for a smaller bull for my daughter to ride. 
And the person looked at, at Jaren, one of the younger ones who, you know, they live and breathe this, stood there <laughs> and said, do you have a helmet? No. Do you have a vest? No. Do you have ropes? No. Oh, my. You, you can borrow my helmet, you know. And so next thing you know, they're throwing them on a bowl. And I'm just... <laughs> Man, and they, that bowl kicked them and trampled them and everything else. And I'm just sitting there. He walked off and said, that was awesome, you know, amen, and then uh, on the, my right side in the picture here, uh, that's my daughter uh, riding the bull named Prince of all things, amen, and she held on for dear life. She says that she got scared, so she jumped off, amen, and uh, the announcer said that she almost qualified, almost qualified, amen, but it has changed us, but next slide, amen, and we get to the Idaho district uh, that is actually, uh, I'll get to the story of that here in a moment, uh, me and our neighbor to the church, uh, putting up our church sign there. The Idaho District, uh, they put out an ad, if you read the Perspective magazine, um, they just sent out their last one with ad in. There is an ad in there begging for ministers. Um, there is so much growth and there are so few churches um, and that was one of the sparks that hit us at the time when we left. I believe there was 12 to 14 churches in Idaho of the United Pentecostal Church, and we were dumbfounded. Um, if you know uh, your history of the movement in, in California, uh, it moved out into Portland and uh, in Oregon, and then over into Idaho. Idaho is a, a district that's been around a long time. There was a Bible college in the city that we were first a youth pastor at. Um, it, it, there's a lot of history there. Uh, it, I can tell you a great length of why everything that has happened, but if you go to the next slide here. So the population uh, is now just under 2 million. It's a, a growth percent of a little over 4% per year, uh, which is unheard of. Like I said, it's the fastest growing state in the union. Um, they need 104 new schools. Uh, in the next five years, they need 104 uh, more schools, and currently they have 900 openings for teachers. So the schools are at their max. They are bursting at the seams. They can't take any more kids, and they keep coming. Um, our little town um, made it on the map. Uh, uh, Trump's daughter, Ivanka Trump, um, came out there uh, with Tom Cook from Apple, and they came out to our little town of Wilder. This is right before we came out there to see how iPads could help because our school was struggling and now we have gotten word they're getting ready to put in 180 houses in our little town of under 2,000. So our, our little city is getting ready to blow up from, from the seams. Uh, it says we have about 15 churches. I think my wife and I counted. There's actually 16 churches right now. Five of those churches um, are home mission churches that started in the last two years. Um, we are desperate for people to come out. Um, there is, uh, you know, we came out, we were fighting uh, the spirits in Clarksville, and we have gone out to Idaho. It is a different fight. It is a different region. It is a different culture. Uh, the district is different. They operate different. Um, it, sometimes it feels like we are in a foreign country, and so I tell my wife, we are missionaries to a foreign land. Um, and this is, it's absolutely, like I said, the sky's the limit. You could open the map of Idaho and you could point at any city on the map, and there is no church or needs a church. Um, the city that we started in has never heard 
never heard of Pentecostal. Not in their vocabulary. You go to the city to our left, no Pentecostal church. There was one years and years ago. Uh, you go to the other, up to our right, there is no Pentecostal church. Don't know what Pentecost is. Go to uh, behind us, no Pentecostal church. North of us, no Pentecostal church. Uh, we are fortunate uh, from where we have started. We are actually about 15 minutes from a Pentecostal church, which is unheard of. Um, and that's kind of where we jumped in. Uh, so that is uh, a lot of our district officials, like our summer conference, we call it. I can't remember the call in Indiana, but our summer conference, uh, this is about the size of it. This church is the size of our entire affiliate of the United Pentecostal Church could fit in this room. Um, so there is so much growth. Um, there's a lot of, like I said, the, the thought is we're Christian, we're saved. Um, so there is a lot of, hey, we need to get the truth out. We need to do it now. And the best way that we have found is by relationship. Um, we were, you can go to the next slide. Sorry, I'm getting ahead of myself. Am I taking too much time? So I'm preaching too. So, All right, so we get to the Golden Gate Neighborhood Church. There's some history here, and I'm sorry I didn't think this was going to take this long. But we, we started this church. Uh, I got to work. Uh, God had provided a job way beyond I could ever thought or imagine that I would be filling. Um, and I'm humbled by it every day. Uh, but I got to make great connections and relationships there. And my, basically, she's my boss, got to talk and said, if you're wanting to start a church in Wilder, I have a building for you. So remember me talking about the market. The market's crazy. Uh, I said, okay, uh, you know, all ears here. And we went in there. It has, uh, next slide. So it has a uh, sanctuary that can fit roughly 200 people. Uh, it has a fellowship hall, classrooms. Um, it, it came full of all the furniture. It came full of everything. Um, it has not been used since COVID. The board, they meet on phone call, not FaceTime, on phone call. Um, for Sundays, there's six of them. They want to hand us the building over. Uh, they said the, they kind of talked about it, and they said they don't want to hand it over to us until um, we have a congregation to support it. And I'm very thankful for it. The idea was that we were going to pay them $100 in goodwill, good faith, a month, and plus the utilities. Every single month, I have called them, and I've talked to them, and I said, hey, how much do I owe you? And their response is, there's no way I'm going to allow you to pay this until you have a congregation to support it. So, uh, in, in a market, somebody at one point wanted to buy the building. We were in a conversation. If we were going to use it, they were going to buy it, whatever. And uh, I, I looked at them. I said, you know this property is at least where we stand. Like, it is very old. It's one of the oldest buildings in town. It's over 100 years old. It would be half a million to a million if we were trying to, to purchase that building, even in the condition that it is in right now. Um, so it is a miracle. The district cannot believe that we're just being handed this building uh, that is fully functional. They, it is just unbelievable. There's churches that have been in Idaho for 25 years and do not have a building. They are renting a storefront. So that's how crazy it is going. So this is a huge miracle for us. Next slide, please. Amen. So this is, uh, like I said, our sanctuary is 100 years old. It is McDonald's themed. <laughs> Amen. Uh, those pews are original to the church. They actually are in pretty good shape. They're just, you know, as you can imagine, what a 100-year-old pew would smell like and look like and things that we have found. Praise God. Amen. Um, but it, it, it's ours. Uh, we went in there, and uh, we were kind of scared of, you know, do we move the table over here? Do we not? And they told us, do whatever you want with the building. We're going to give it to you. Okay. 
And so, so we did, uh, that, that actually looks way different <laughs> now than it did when we came into the building. Um, the only way I can describe it, not making fun of them, but it looked like you went into your great grandma's attic. Um, it, was, it was interesting. Amen. So we moved everything out, and it kind of gave, they came in to get some paperwork one time and gave, almost gave the lady a heart attack when she saw the building. Amen. But they got a phone call and said, you know what, we love what you're doing. Um, there are no young churches in the area. She goes, i be honest, I don't know what Pentecostal is, but I'm sure you guys are going to do great because you're a young couple and you want to see Wilder grow. And uh, thank the Lord, we actually, gas prices and everything, we, we have a house that is two minutes down the road from this building. So we are connected with the neighborhood. Um, you know, go to the next slide, please. So this is some of the outreach we have done. Um, if you remember the first slide, it showed me on a ladder and another gentleman on a ladder. That's his entire extended, well, part of his extended family to the left there. Uh, we just had hot dogs and a blow-up house, trying to invite people out to get to know us. He brought them all, amen, and uh, we got to teach them Bible study, or him a Bible study, I should say, his immediate family. Uh, we try to do a, uh, what well, we are doing, excuse me, a, a Lego club, just to get people out and mingling and talking to people, Lego and coffee. We haven't completely started at the church, but we brought them out into our um, our neighborhood, and the next picture is all the kids playing with the Legos. Um, and we didn't know quite exactly how it was going to work, but man, you pull out some Legos, they come flocking. Amen. Uh, so it's been a great thing. We've really tried to push Sunday school, and I'm glad that actually led that into my thought there for Sunday school. Um, we had this huge building, and you know, I'm, I'm preaching, and it's just my, my family, a huge building, and we had cleaned the sanctuary, we'd cleaned the fellowship hall. We had the Sunday school rooms, and we said, you know what, don't bother messing with those right now. We'll just have Sunday school as part of our main service, okay? So we did that, and uh, some people came and really enjoyed it and all that, and the Lord spoke to me and said, look, I'm going to fill this place up. He said, you need to get those, those rooms open. Uh, okay. So we went and cleaned out our Sunday school rooms, got them ready. I mean, we had like five or six Sunday school rooms. What are we going to do with all these? And we got them open, and... Come to find out, in within a five-city range, none of the churches of all these denominations have Sunday school. So we had someone come to our outreach, the blow-up house and all that, and I think that was the last slide. Um, they came out there, and uh, they asked us, do you have Sunday school? And I said, why, we sure do. Amen. And they said, no one else has Sunday school. So I thought, thank God, thank God. Amen. But I'm, I'm very thankful for where God's leading us. There's many times, if you've ever been part of Home Missions or uh, visited Home Missions Church, uh, some days uh, you're on top of the world, you've got a visitor. Some days it is um, heartbreaking. Or we, You know, my wife and I have been through it before. It's a little more heartbreaking for the kids. There's sometimes I come out and I, there's nobody in the audience. I'm just preaching away. We're on Facebook and I'm preaching away and there's people watching online, but getting them to the church isn't happening yet. Uh, and my kids have wondered... And uh, preaching, and we, we had a visitor come in one time. And uh, my, my son's on the drums, and they walked in. And, you know, and my daughter's, act natural, act natural. This is supposed to happen. Act natural, you know. This isn't the first one. Act natural, you know. Um, but we had a, a minister from uh, headquarters come out for a conference that we had. And he grabbed me, and he, he looked me up. And uh, no one has ever said this to me in ministry, okay? Let's put this out there. He said, God gave you that building. He's going to fill it. He said, but not just, hey, yeah, God's going to fill it. He's going to fill it very quickly. 
He said, you need to be, pre be prepared to give up your job. And I said, come again? He said, very quickly, you were going to go full-time ministry. I thought, whoo, whoo. He said, hey, receive that. And I said, hey, I'm, you know, I'm taking that in. He goes, I'm not kidding you. When the time comes and you are able to leave that job, you have to walk away and leave that job. And I said, look, that's the best job I've ever had in my life. I, I will give it up in a second. He goes, hey, you receive that and you remember that. And the next Sunday, I went and preached. We had zero visitors my wife went into the back and took the kids to do Sunday school, so we keep kind of a normal thing going. And I preached to completely empty pews that very soon, that, and I preached, and I said, every, very soon, every single one of these seats is going to be filled, and we're going to have a revival like Wilder has never seen before. Amen. And I believe it, and, and we're going to get through the hard things, and, and God's going to open a door. Praise the Lord. Amen. If you're just... Pray for us, amen, remember us. There are a lot of things I didn't bring up about Idaho. We, we love the land, we love the culture, uh, we love everything about Idaho. It's been great for our family. We do miss our family back here in Indiana and the church family, um, all those things. Uh, but we definitely are where we should be, and, and God is pushing us in great things, amen. But if you have your Bibles today, I'm going to be reading from the book of Hebrews chapter 13. Let me start with verse 14. Everybody say good news. Man, I am a short-winded preacher. Hallelujah. <laughs> Amen. Um, you know, I'm very thankful. We, we found, um, we, we try to do our services in an hour, hour a little over. And uh, we, we've done church, two services on Sunday many times. And, I, you know, I love this kid and everything like that. Um, with everyone spread out and everything going on in the world, it has been oh, oh, wonderful for us. I know Kendallville has kind of done the same thing. Um, Sunday afternoons, to be able to go out to eat with somebody and not be in a rush and to sit there and fellowship, do something after disc golf or what, you know, whatever, um, has been huge for outreach. I mean, absolutely wonderful that you're not worried about the next thing. And it's important to be in the house of God, and I'm thankful you're here, and I'm going to try not to keep you. I'm going to run through this real quick. Um, but it's so important to break bread, to fellowship. Uh, Brother Pastor Bishop Archibald pushed it so many times uh, in Acts. You know, they, they sat down, they ate together, they fellowship. It's so important because that's how pe where people feel comfortable uh, asking questions. My wife started a, a, a homeschool group. They meet weekly, and she has taught a number of Bible studies. Uh, I, I tell everybody my wife is great at picking up uh, single or moms at the park because <laughs> she just makes a connection with them and has a Bible study, and they continue to meet. So it's, it's, it's important, amen. That's how we are going to reach the lost. It's so, it's so important. Get to know your neighbor. Praise the Lord. Amen. Everybody say, I'm going to preach with them. Praise the Lord. Thank you. I am going to be uh, doing a little faux pas at some places. I'm going to be reading from the Christian Standard Bible. <laughs> Amen. Uh, and then I'm going to go back to the King James. Okay. Uh, just it, you Bible scholars can, can look at this later. The way that the Christian, the CSB and the King James translate this, I, I think the King James did it wrong. Um, Amen. But you can look at the Greek and 
it, it changes the meaning of it, okay? So you can look that, that up later, and I'm going to jump back to King James II, but Christian Standard Bible, uh, David Bernard okayed it. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. Uh, I'm going to read verses 13, uh, 14 through 15, and I feel like shouting, so the Lord help me this morning. It says, For we do not have an enduring city. Thank you, Jesus. Instead, we seek the one to come. Therefore, through him, let us continually offer up to God a sacrifice of praise. That is the fruit of lips that confess his name. We do not have an enduring city here. Everybody look at your neighbor and say, I'm not from here. I'm not from here. Praise the Lord. I told you uh, right before we went to uh, Idaho, we were really looking at going to Australia. It goes way back to uh, when I was 19. Uh, and forgive me, I know you've heard a lot of this. Praise the Lord. But uh, I went to uh, Australia. I felt called. Uh, I was going to preach a revival there. Uh, we flew over. I just got licensed with the United Pentecostal Church. Went over there. I was 19. I remember uh, riding on the plane. I was reading a book, uh, Bill Bryson, uh, talking about a sunburned country. It's a great book, all about Australia. And I was reading it, and the guy sitting next to me was from there. And he started telling me about all these neat things about Australia. He said, yeah, we have the top ten deadliest everything. Wow. He said, top deadliest steaks, got them all. Top ten deadliest spiders, got them all. He said, just make sure that you look out for the red back and the white back. He said, if you get stung by a bit by one of those, you have about 30 minutes to make it to the hospital until you're either dead or in severe pain. I said, okay, red back, white tail, got it. Okay, landing in Sydney, I remember uh, going through the airport. We landed on the tarmac. You know, before you land, you, you fly over the Sydney Harbor. The wing kind of tilts, and as the plane gets to circle in for there, you get to see the, the Sydney Harbor, the bridge, the opera house. It's absolutely breathtaking. We landed on the tarmac, and I was absolutely petrified. We landed there, and I thought, oh, my goodness, I am not in the United States. I said, nobody here cares that I'm an American. If something happens to me, nobody cares because I am not at home. And I remember walking off the plane and absolutely terrified, and I'm trying to get to my next flight. I was going to the other end of the country, and uh, the, I don't know what they call it, but the TSA, they grabbed me. 19-year-old kid, no clue what I was doing. They grabbed me and threw me in a room. Next thing you know, I'm getting patted down. They got my bags all ripped open. They're sticking little sniffer things in there to see if there's any of explosives, all this thing. And they okay, you're good, zip everything, and kind of hit you out the door. And it's just uh, unbelievable. And you'd walk there and just how beautiful it was and all the different things. And the culture was very different. They spoke English, but a lot of times I had to have my friend translate what they were saying because the accent was so thick. Amen. But you would look up at the stars at night. And it was so interesting to me as a, as a, as a, a young teenager is that when you go onto the other hemisphere of the earth where Australia is, the stars are completely different. You don't have the Big Dipper. You don't have Orion's belt. In the sky, when you look up very plainly, you see what's called the Southern Cross. It's stars that make this big cross in the sky. And so back in the day, they used to tell when they take prisoners from Britain, that's how Australia really was founded by white settlers, was from prisoners from Britain. And they came over and they told people when they crossed over the hemisphere, it says, we're taking you to a different world. 
said, you will never be able to escape because you are going to a different world. And so when they would look up at the night sky, they would think, hey, <laughs> you are in a different world. Amen. And I remember we're going on the river and went out into, uh, into the ocean there. We were going out to an island. And I remember the, the river there was just, the Swan River was just filled with these giant, giant jellyfish. And I'm like, man, that is so cool. I've never seen anything like it. And it was just full of them everywhere. And I looked at my friend and I said, okay, so are those the jellyfish that will sting you real bad? Because, you know, everything kills you out there. And uh, she said, no, actually, you can pick those up and throw them at people. Why would you do that? You know, just why would you do that? But it was so, it was so foreign to me. And I never, I'll never forget that when, when it finally came to time that I, I flew back and I, I landed in LAX in, in California and I got out and there was this really mean lady that was standing over doing the passports and everybody going through. And I remember walking up and I was kind of nervous because she was really mean to the people in front of me. And I remember walking up and she grabbed my passport out of my hand and looked through it and made sure I had all my paperwork in order and everything I was doing. And she said these words to me, and I will never forget for as long as I'm alive. She said, Mr. Cummins. I said, yes, ma'am. She goes, welcome home. And my heart just, I'm safe. I've made it back. Amen. This world is not my home. Their customs are not mine. This is only temporary. I, I'm just visiting. I'm just, I'm a citizen of another land. I'm in a strange land right now, but the scripture says, for we have not an enduring city here, but instead we seek one to come. Uh, you know, we, we got rid of TV a couple years ago. It just it was taking up too much of our time. It was investing in us, and we're home now with my parents, and, and my dad has, always has the news on 24-7, and my son just soaks up everything he hears, just, just a sponge. Everything he hears, he picks up on. And he said, Dad, the other day, he goes, why is everything on the news? Why? Because we don't have it. He's not accustomed to it. He goes, why is everything on the news? Gas prices shooting. Gas prices shooting. Gas prices shooting. I said, because I've been telling you, this world is a horrible place, and it's getting worse and worse, and the devil is fighting for the church, and he's fighting for your family and for your kids, but we've got to know that this city, that this place is not our home, that we look for one to come. That all these things that are just temporary, all these things that we keep building up and we build bigger barns and we, we make plans for life and all these things are just temporary. And when, and a lot of times when we think about young people, we, we think a lot about, we, you know, graduation season is going on. What am I going to be when I grow up? You know, what am I going to do with my life? Am I going to make a bunch of money? What kind of car am I going to drive? Or if you're in Idaho, what kind of truck am I going to get? How lifted am I going to put it? Amen. Who am I going to marry? Uh, do I fit into a look right. Amen. What, what am I going to do? How, how am I going to prepare? How am I going to make the best life for my family? And how am I going to uh, make all these things work? And how am I going to keep my sanity? But it's all temporary. It's all going to go. Verse 15 says, therefore, through him, let us continually offer up to God a sacrifice of praise. How? I'm glad you asked. It says it in the scripture. That is the fruits of lips that confess 
his name. Oh, church, come on. We got to confess his name in this city. We've got to confess his name in Indiana, in Idaho, and across the nation. We've got to shout his name. We've got to declare his name. We've got to let the world that know that there is so much more than this. I live in a, in a, a weird world right now that they don't know Jesus' name, baptism. They've never heard of it. They didn't know the Holy Ghost is more than making jibbers and jabbers. That's literally someone said it's just, it's just making weird noises. That's what they know the Holy Ghost. The world needs us. Your next door neighbor, not just talking about some foreign land, Australia, or some foreign place like Idaho. I'm talking about right here in Kendallville. Your neighbors need to hear you confess his name. They need to hear you shout his name. They need to know about baptism in Jesus' name. They need to know that there's more to life than getting drunk on a Friday night. There's more to life than sleeping around. There's more to life than the next biggest car, the next biggest thing. There's so much more to this that we've got to shout it that every conversation that we bring up, that it turns to him. That everything we put on Facebook, that it turns to him. That it shows that we make loud that we let the world know that we confess his name. Amen. Oh, one of my, my dearest friends, I, I've, I've watched him and I've been so close to him. And I, I grew up watching them lead choirs. I've grown up watching them play the piano and sing and do all these wonderful things. And then he decided one day, you know what? All the things that we stand for and we fight for in the Bible, I really don't think that we have the right interpretation. I really don't think that we are doing things right. And he's pulled his entire family out of church. And said, you know what? We don't need all that. We we don't need it. We got to stay like my wife preached to that firm foundation. You've got to have it in you so well that no matter where you go, that you've got to have it in you so deep that it's a firm foundation. My wife, she would tell her whole life's testimony. She has been through everything imaginable. Near-death experiences multiple times. Family drama, uh, living situation drama, everything that you could think of has come across of her. But she got it instilled in her life that this is the greatest thing, that this is the best thing, that this is what's going to lead us to eternity. And especially for, for young people, when you, when you go through school, the scripture talks about that the, the wheat and the tares, they grow together. We're all grown together. We're, we're arm in arm and we're handing down and we're going this way. And a while back, I, 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 uh, I got to talk to an Orthodox Jew. I was working for a company. I was selling stuff and I got to talking to him and he, I was telling about, we got talking about World War II and the Holocaust and all that thing. He said there was a, uh, a Jewish rabbi at the time that he said, if we just begin, if we would just look like them, if we would just talk like them, they will leave us alone. And that's what the world is doing right now. They're trying to change our mindset, our doctrine, our faith, amen, the principles that generations from now have found. We know that these principles are true. They're sound. This is what's going to get you to heaven. And we've walked this way. And here's the thing. But right now, the wheat and the tares, they grow together. And we're walking with the world. And here's the thing, young people, older people, whatever it is, that we can't make sure that we don't resemble them. That we are supposed to be the oddity. We're supposed to be something that they look at and say, man, he is so different. Man, in a crowd, you stick out like a sore thumb. 
You are, I, I just, I can't even relate to you. And some people are like, well, we can't get so far away that we don't relate to them. I don't have to sin to relate to the world. One of my, uh, I started the, the, this job at the hospital and, uh, I, I, you know, I say that the job's way beyond whatever scope of things I ever thought I would be doing. And there was a lady that just really pushed and pushed. She is so far different than I am completely her way she lives, her lifestyle, her, her, the way her, her worldview, everything, the way she thinks she was a hard worker. And, uh, as I've grown, I've grown her along with me uh, as she's advanced in career. Now she's my day shift lead. Uh, she's actually run the show for me while I'm gone. So far different. I don't relate to anything that she does. I have prayed for that lady in the hospital. I have prayed for that lady over the phone. I have prayed for her husband. My wife and my kids have met her husband and her. We have, I've taught her Bible studies and I am complete. I am nowhere, nothing that I can relate to her with. Except we both like the word. Amen. You don't have to uh, get on their level of sin to be with them. But the scripture says that we're, we're wheat and the tares, they grow together. But there comes a point where we, we grow together, but there comes a point where there's a stop. And if you look like them and you act like them and you talk like them and there's no difference between you and them, when it becomes that time that, okay, I've got to go this way, they're like, oh, no, you're one of us. You're going this way. You're no different than us. You talk like us. You look like us. You do the same things. There's no, how do you think you're going to go this way? You're a part of us. But if, but if we're with the wheat and the tares and we're walking down and, and we say, okay, no, man, you should have been at church last night. Revival was awesome. We had people filled with the Holy Ghost. We had drug addicts, man. They were done. They left their stuff at the altar. I, my friend was an alcoholic. He's no longer an alcoholic. It's the coolest. It's the greatest thing you've ever seen. And we get to the point where we're walking with them and we keep going off to the side and finally get to the dividing point. I can't go that way. I can't go. I, I can proclaim his name. I carry his name. I, I'm not the I, I'm sorry. I, I know we've grown together and I know you've appreciated me and I know we, we've done great things together. But I can't go that way because I carry his name. I'm not a part of that. I can't go that way. can't go that way amen we they need us they need us to be the anomaly they need us to be the weird ones they need us to be the ones that don't cuss it might be such a a little thing the world sure notices my entire life everywhere i've worked they've always tried to get me to cuss they need you they need you not to sleep around but it's common. It's normal. But they need us to be the anomaly. They need us to be radical and crazy. All the things that they make fun of us for, they need us to be that. Amen. In Australia, I was reading that book. Someone broke down uh, in their car. Someone waited uh, for help in the car. The other person began to walk. And in Australia, it's the most suicidal thing to do is to go walk from help from your car and he died and they lost him in the road they have a um, prime minister that i the people that i stayed with had no clue who he was but his prime minister is equivalent to our president okay uh went for a swim one day nobody knows what happened to him can you imagine if president biden went to the ocean and said i'm just going to take a swim 
and nobody knows what happened to him. All right, all right, okay, that could go several ways right now. Let's change. <laughs> Amen. But here it is that they, they have no clue. All the things that he did didn't matter. That he led the entire country didn't matter. Is that one day he was gone and the world moved on. It doesn't matter how popular and how much people love you and all the great things you, you've done. None of it will matter. None of it will matter except for what you did for Christ and that you get for your family. Sister Gillen, it mattered to me that you gave me those verses. Amen. It made a difference. Amen. We've got to get in us that this world is not my home. Hebrews 11, 8 through 10, it says, and this is the chapter of faith, it says, By faith Abraham, when he was called and go to a place which he should after receive an inheritance, obeyed, and he went out, not knowing whither he went. By faith he sojourned in the land of promise, as in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. And I, I love this part. It says, For he looked for a city which hath foundations and whose builder and maker is God. He looked for a city that wasn't made by the world. It wasn't made by their direction and their thought of where we should go, but whose builder and maker was God. I'm looking for that city because I don't belong here. I'm going to a city... Don't let this world stop you from getting to your heavenly reward. Don't get tied up in what they have. Amen. I, I was wa- offered every chance to walk away. Every chance, every opportunity to walk away. But there is nothing better than this. Amen. There was a gentleman named Thane Scarpa in Brazil that had a, uh, a million dollar Bentley. Anybody heard about this? A million dollar Bentley. A Bentley, I think the, the beginning model, first you know, uh, package that you can buy is around $300,000. Can you imagine if someone pulled up in a Bentley to your church? Like, praise God, he's paying tithes. Hallelujah. Amen. But he had a, a decked out million dollar Bentley. And he said, hey, I'm going to bury this in the ground so I can have it for the afterlife. And people, I wrote him nasty letters that this is the worst thing that you could do. And he had a big ceremony. He, he dug a giant hole, built a, dug a ramp so the car could just drive in, and they were going to pour the dirt on so he could have this million-dollar Bentley in the afterlife. And when he got there and he stood up and uh, he said, you know, all of you are very angry and upset with me that I'm getting ready to bury this, this you know, million-dollar car. It could have been sold. It could have gone to charity, all these things. And he was making a ploy, it was all a deception, he said, to get people aware about um, organ donations. He said, you're burying yourself with these organs that are worth people's lives. And it just struck me. If this, we go through this whole life and we bury the greatest thing, I'm in a city that doesn't know Jesus' name, baptism. Never heard of it. Church, we've got to, we've not only got our work to do, but we've got to get it so deep in us that when we walk in the room, and it's, it happens, this is a spiritual thing, when you walk in the room, somebody stops and something, something's, to them, something's off about you. And they're drawn to you and they don't know why. Because we are preparing ourselves for a city. We're making ourselves ready 
for a city. And I'm, I'm, I'm closing here. If music wants to come, how you, you do things, Pastor. It says, 2 Timothy 4, 7 through 8. It's a very familiar center, uh, message, excuse me, verse. It says, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but to all them that also love his appearing. You know, there's never a time in my life that I thought, man, I gave up something to be with God. There's never a time that I've looked at other people's lives and and all the things that they they go through that makes them happy and that brings them joy. I've never thought, wow, I really missed out. I couldn't do all those things or I chose not to do those things. I, I really missed out. That has never crossed my mind that I'm missing out on anything. Because when you get this in you, when you get this in you, when you get it into your family, it becomes your life and you realize my children, that, uh, they're very smart, but they're now starting to pick up and they look around the neighborhood that I live and finally, after I, I didn't think I was ever going to get through, my son said, Dad, I realize now our house, our living room is different than our neighbors do. Do you know our neighbors don't pray? I said, yeah, buddy, I don't you know our neighbors, they, they like to get drunk. I said, yeah, I, I know that, buddy. Do you know there's 20 people that live in that house over there because they all have, you know, things going on in their life? I said, yes, son, I know that. Thank you for making our home not like that. But here's the thing. If you want this beautiful apostolic family that, that, that's going to make it and you're going to be so excited when when he calls the church because you know your family is going and you're excited and you're ready to go up there and be with your family and, and, and march and, and dance in the streets of gold, it's got to start with you. Saying, I'm going to do everything within me to make sure that all these things that are temporary, all the, the baseball games and all the, uh, the basketball or whatever it is, and those things are all fine, but if it keeps you from the main thing, if it keeps you from the most important thing, then it's got to be so easy for you to give up because that's temporary and we're looking for the eternal. Amen. I can't wait to see his face. I can't wait. But you've got to make it up your mind. I'm going to make it and I'm going to do everything within me to make sure that that city's going to be mine, that that my family's going to make it to that city. Amen. This afternoon, this altar is open. Won't you come a place? And God, I'm making a commitment to you, God. I want everything you have for my, my family. God, everything in this world, it's not worth it. It's pulled me down. It's taken me some dark places. But God, I'm so glad that I can hold to you. And I have, I have a faith. I've got a future that is greater than me. It goes deeper than me. Amen. I've got a crown of righteousness waiting for me. I've got a city prepared for me. I've got a mansion prepared for me. I've got room prepared for me. I've got healing prepared for me. That sister that's maybe listening at home and she's fighting cancer, hold tight. Your reward's coming. Your reward's coming and you can joyfully walk into eternity. And Noah, it was worth it all. It was worth it all. Amen. Won't you come this morning? Earthly treasures soon will fade.